Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 193. We are in the book of Mark, in chapter 4. Without further ado, let's enter this Word Encounter. And it says, the parable of the sower. Now, as you recall uh, from yesterday's episode, what I said is that there are a lot of things that are in the Gospels that are repeated throughout various books. And so the things that we've already covered in detail in, uh, in the book of Matthew, I'm not going to repeat here in the book of Mark, but I uh, will refer to uh, chapter and verse and episode in which those details do appear. Uh, sometimes I will read some things where more details appear in Mark than are in Matthew. And so let's get started. Parable of the Sower, we've already gone over this, and we see that uh, this appears in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. This is in Word Encounter episode one, uh, number 183. And so as we just uh, recap, you know, the, the, the sower sows the word, and there are different types of ground uh, that, the, that the seed falls on. And, uh, and so the, the ground could be not fertile because the people don't understand, or the, the word has no root in the people, and so it leaves them, or cares of this life snuff out the power of the word, and so it doesn't work in their lives. And then there's the fertile ground, the ground where the people understand the word takes root and they produce fruit. And so uh, we're going to go on uh, down to uh, verse 10, where it says Jesus, why Jesus used parables. And we see here that there's much more detail about this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 uh, through 17. This is in Word Encounter episode number 183. And uh, so I would say refer to that for the details on why Jesus used parables. And we drop down further into using your light. This does not appear in Matthew in verse 21. It says, Jesus also said to them, to the disciples, uh, is, a lamp brought in, uh, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Hmm. Isn't, it to, uh, isn't it to be put on a lampstand? In other words, isn't a lamp uh, brought out so that it can shine, so that it can illuminate the room? You don't put it under a, a, a bed, you know? You don't do that. You don't put it under a basket. You know, then the light can't get out. It says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. See? What happens in the dark will be brought to light. And a lot of times when it is brought to light, the consequences of it being brought to light aren't very pleasant for those who were trying to hide it. If anyone has ears to hear, let them listen. So Jesus is saying, look, if you got ears to hear, hear what I'm telling you. Don't ignore this. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the, me by the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. See, And so, <clears throat> for whoever has more, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. So this is kind of a, a test of fruits, right? So if you, if you are fruitful and you produce, you see, you'll get a greater measure. If you don't, you won't. You know, because, uh, you know, th this word is to be multiplied. This word is to, is to germinate so that it can grow, so that it can uh, prosper. It says the parable of the growing seed in verse 26. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and, uh, and rises, excuse me, he sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. So what is it saying? It's saying, look. 
you scatter seed on the ground, right? You go to sleep, and as, as seed starts to grow, you don't really, you haven't done anything. You've done your job. You've, you've, uh, you've sown the seed. Now the seed is, is germinating. Now the seed is going to start to grow. See, the seed is going to start growing. You, you're not doing anything. It's been planted. You know, the, 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 the atmosphere, or I should say the environment, is conducive for it to grow, and it's growing. It says the soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. See, this word is so powerful. You know, he's it's, it's just using a seed as an illustration. You plant the word. You know, there, there are many times you go through life, and you can talk to just about anybody, be it a teacher, a coach, or somebody. Somebody said something that just stuck with you and resonated with you, and it changed the course of your life. And they may not even know it. Sometimes it's not somebody sitting you down and giving you a lecture. Maybe it was just a sentence or two. Something that you, somebody said, usually somebody that you respect, somebody said, and it just took root in you. And it started to change the direction of your life. It, that's what this seed does. You plant this seed in the people. And if they are attuned to the things of God, it will marinate in their minds. They will think about it. It will start to grow. They will start to become more curious. They will start to seek more. They will want to know more. The word just takes over. First a little curiosity, then more, then a seeking, then, then more seeking, then a thirst. I mean, it just, it just starts to take over. Verse 29, as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And so, you know, that word gets planted, and a week later, a month later, a year later, five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, whatever, something happens, and all of a sudden, that person, or what seems like all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden took 20 years, right? <laughs> and something happens in that person, and, and they just become alive to the things of God. And they just want to do God's will. And you never know. You never know, because outside or external appearances can be, can be off. They can mislead. See, a lot of times we're looking for signs, and those signs that we're looking for are visual. We're, we're trying to look at somebody's facial expression or what they say or whatever. But this stuff is doing a work internally. We don't see it. A lot of times we don't think people are listening. It's like when we have kids and we're raising them. And uh, they may say something to us 15, 20 years later, like, I remember when you told me blah, blah, blah. And as a parent, you're thinking, I didn't even know they were listening to me. I didn't even know they were hearing me. Because I wasn't getting any external signs. Don't let external signs fool you. Don't look for them. You don't know what's going on on the inside of a person. The parable of a mustard seed, it starts in verse 30, and we find this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. This is episode 183. And basically, uh, a mustard seed is very tiny. It gets planted, it gets watered and whatnot, and it grows into something huge. And so this is like, this is like the word. The word gets planted into somebody, you know, again, we might not see any external signs for a while. And then all of a sudden it grows into something huge. <clears throat> Using parables in verse 33, it says, 
He was speaking the word to them with many parables like this. He being Jesus, as they were able to understand, like, excuse me, like many parables like these, as he, uh, as they were able to understand. So Jesus was telling them parables as they were able to understand. Now, whether they chose to try to understand or just say, this guy's talking in riddles, forget it. I, that's on the individual. But the word says that he was speaking many parables like these as they were able to understand. It says in verse 34, he did not speak to them without a parable to the people at large. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. <clears throat> I think the parables and whatnot was a way to measure people's thirst, was a way to measure people's hunger. See, were they going to you know, pursue the meaning of these things or were they just going to say, OK, whatever, and then go on, go about their lives? It says the wind and the waves obey Jesus. And uh, this uh, we went over this in Matthew, chapter eight, verses 23 through 27 in episode 181. And basically, you know, Jesus calmed the storm and he was like, you know, ye of little faith, you know, why didn't, why, why were you scared? Why did you think you were going to die? You know, one of the things, one of the morals of this story, I think, is that because, because at this point, when this took place, Jesus had already performed a number of miracles that they were witness to, that they were eyewitness to. They being the disciples, they were eyewitness to these things, but they were in the boat and it was rocking and rolling. They became afraid. Jesus calmed the storm. The boat was chilled out now. And so he says, you have little faith. You know, what's the deal? And one of the things is this, is that it's easy to forget what Jesus did yesterday when you're in the storm today. When you're going through your trials and tribulations today, it's easy to forget what was done on your behalf yesterday. And so we can easily slip in and out of faith, <laughs> you know, based on the surrounding circumstances. And that's a case where we need to grow up, right? We need to mature. We need to mature in our understanding of who Jesus is. And so let's go on. Let's see here. Um, go on to chapter 5 in Mark. It says, Demons driven out by Jesus. And so we see uh, that this was also covered in Matthew, but there are more details here in Mark. So I'm going to go through this whole thing in Mark. It says in verse 1, They came to the other side of the sea. As soon as they got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus, um, excuse me, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him and he cried out with a loud voice. What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I beg you. Before God, don't torment me. So not only did he recognize Jesus, he recognized that Jesus had the power to torment him. And so he's going up. He's going up to Jesus. The demon, if you will, in this man is going up to Jesus. Jesus isn't pursuing the demon. The demon is going up to Jesus and saying, don't hurt me. 
The, the demon is seeking out Jesus. Don't hurt me. What is your name? Jesus asked. And so this happens. So why would Jesus ask what his name is? Why would he get into a seeming, a seeming dialogue, seemingly a dialogue with the demon? You know, but he asked him what his name is. I, th I think if you have somebody's name, if you know somebody's name, uh, that adds to your authority, I'm assuming. I'm just guessing here. I don't know. I'm just figuring out well, why would Jesus ask his name. But anyway, he says, my name is Legion. He answered him, uh, my name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. A large herd of pigs uh, was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. See? So Jesus, Jesus gave the demons in the man permission to enter into the pigs. They couldn't do it without Jesus' permission. That ought to give us a perspective on where the enemy is relative to us. See, they have to ask Jesus's permission to do things. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd was about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned there. Now, before I go any further, I want to point out some differences here uh, in, in Matthew. In Matthew, it says there were two guys that were demon-possessed. You know, and, 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 uh, and it didn't get into the details. Uh, Jesus didn't ask him, what's your name? They didn't say legion and whatnot. But, um, you know, the same exists with regard to them exiting the bodies and going into the pigs and then the pigs going down the side of the hill and drowning. And so uh, these are uh, uh, two different accounts, okay? Very, very similar with some minute details. Now, if you're in law enforcement and you deal with things like witnesses and whatnot, when you deal with multiple witnesses, this is par for the course. You know, you never get, a matter of fact, if you get identical eyewitness uh, testimonies, usually it's because those witnesses have been colluding with each other. And so normally it's, 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 um, it, it's regular to get slightly different accounts of events. But what you do is you get overlap of of the things that everybody witnessed and so what you tend to do is you pay attention to that and then some of the slight details that are different you don't pay attention to because they can't be corroborated and so and so the, the pigs go down and they, they're drowned in the sea and it says in verse 14 the men who tended them ran off and reported it to the town and the countryside and people went to see what had happened they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were afraid because the man was no longer demon-possessed. That's weird. <laughs> Those who had seen it described, uh, described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave. And so, like I said in the, in the previous time when we covered this, you know, Jesus was wrecking the local economy, right? There's 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of bacon, you know, that went off and, and, and died. And so these guys were herders, and then you had butchers, and you had all these people. You know, so you had this, you know, uh, this agrarian um, culture, you know, and so agriculture and, and, and raising animals and livestock and this, that, and the other— and if Jesus is going to come along and start destroying things, then it's going to mess them up. So they, so they didn't want to understand. All they knew is that they had to protect their property. So they wanted him to leave. 
It says in verse 18, and he was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. And so Jesus had just gotten rid of the demon of this guy. And you, he was doing what I would do. He said, look, let me let me tag along with you, man. Let me come with you. You know, you got your boys with you. Let me be one of your boys. You know, but Jesus didn't allow him to do so. He said, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So Jesus was interested in getting the word out, the word of the Lord, the word of what God was doing. So he didn't want this man to come with him and keep everything internal. He said, no, 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 no. You go back to your people and you tell them the wonders that have taken place here. You make the Lord's name known. You be a testimony. In verse 20, so he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is the 10 city area, how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. See, so he went out as a, as a living testimony, telling them what had happened, and he started to influence multitudes of others. There's a principle here. A girl restored and a woman healed. And so, again, we had covered this um, in Matthew, but there's some more details here in Mark. So let's, let's get into this. First of all, we didn't know the name of the father of the girl who was dying. And so verse 22, it says, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly. My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so, uh, so that she will get well and live. So Jesus went with them. But as they were going, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. See, these are some details we didn't get in Matthew. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. And so for 12 years, she had been going to these doctors and she exhausted her finances trying to get well, but she got worse. Having heard about uh, Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. This is her faith in action. She's just not sitting back and saying, make, make me well, Lord. She is doing something instantly. Her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, the disciples like, Lord, there are a bunch of people here. Anybody could have touched you, you know. But Jesus said, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him and told him the, the whole truth. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. See, your faith, because you put your faith in action. You know, because you did something, you went out and you acted in faith. Jesus is saying your faith has healed you. Go. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house. They came from Jairus' house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James and John. They came to the leader's house and he saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. They mocked him. The people that were there mocked him. 
It says, but he put them all outside. All the unbelievers had to go. We need an atmosphere of faith here. We need power. We need the doubters to, to raise and roll. You know, you can't stay here. You got to go. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with them and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was uh, 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. See, And so he put all the unbelievers out, but I'm not uh, convinced that the father and mother were 100% sure this was going to work either because it says they were utterly astounded. And maybe Peter, James, and John were a part of that you know, astonishment as well. I don't know. Let's go on to chapter 6. It says rejection at Nazareth. And we covered this in Matthew chapter 13, verses uh, 53 through 58. This is in episode 183. But there is one little thing that Jesus said that he did not say um, in those chapters. And so in verse 6, he says he was amazed at their unbelief. So when he went back home, nobody was believing. He went back to Nazareth. He only healed a few people and whatnot. But in Mark here, it says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was taken aback by how little belief they had. Is that us? Would Jesus be amazed at us, at our lack of belief? See, there's a difference between faith and belief. See, sometimes we have faith, but it, it kind of more borders on hope. Belief is a sure thing. It's a certainty. When you believe something, it's not a hope. It's like, that's a certain, this is 100%. Commissioning the 12. And we see, uh, we covered this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15 in episode 182. However, there is one difference here. One difference that's added here in Mark is that Jesus commissioned the 12. He told them, don't take any money when you go out and, and, and you go and delivering the good news to people and whatnot. And he said, don't take any money. Don't take any you know, extra clothing, you know, uh, because the worker is worth his wages. And, and so he sent them out. But in Mark here in verse 13, it says, and they drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. It didn't say that in Matthew. He, it just says they sent him out. It didn't say what they accomplished. But we see that uh, uh, Jesus anointed them or, or imbued them with power. And then they took that and they went out and they actually did works. They performed miracles. They drove out demons. They healed sick people. Jesus wasn't with them. John the Baptist beheaded. So we see here that we covered this in Mark, or excuse me, in Matt chap, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. This is in episode 184. But there's some background information here in Mark that was not in Matthew. Let's go over that. It says in verse 16, when Herod heard of this, um, he heard of Jesus' exploits. He said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. <laughs> so Herod is like, oh, man, this dude has come back. For Herod himself... Uh, had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, because he had married her. John had been telling Herod 
it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. He says, dude, you ain't doing right. You know, you can't do this. Herod didn't want to hear it. In verse 19, so Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. So she didn't want John in Herod's ear telling him that this isn't right, and so she wanted to kill John. Uh, but uh, Herod feared John and protected him, knowing he was righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard about him, uh, he would be very, excuse me, when Herod heard him, when Herod heard John talk, he would be very perplexed. Yet he liked to listen to him. Do you know any people like that that say they don't believe and whatnot, but they want to know more? They want to know more because they're saying something, but inside again, something else is happening. Something else is going on. Verse 21, an opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave uh, a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. And then we know the rest of the story of the story as we covered in Matthew with regard to bringing out Herodias' daughter and her dancing and gaining the favor of Herod and Herod asking her, I'll give you anything you want. She says, I want the head of John the Baptist. And so Herod becomes despondent, but he has to respond because he has all these people at his celebration. And so they kill John and bring his head in and give it to, give it to the queen, her mother. Let's go on to, it says, feeding the 5,000. And so we covered this in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, and this is in episode 184. And we're going to go on, and we're going to uh, go on walking on the water, okay? And so we covered this in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. This is episode 184. But this is a slightly different account. You know, it's a slightly different detail here. It says here, uh, so Jesus had just gotten through feeding the people, and so Jesus puts his disciple in the boat, said, go to the other side. I'm going to retreat by myself and pray. But it says in verse uh, 48, he says, he saw them early in the morning. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Uh, very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. Now, the, sea, the thing is here, Jesus saw that they were in trouble. They didn't know that Jesus saw that they were in trouble, but Jesus saw that they were in trouble. And so he went out to assist them. Jesus was at the ready to help his partners. But then the word says something interesting. It says he came toward them walking on the sea and he wanted to pass them by. Now, why would that be in there? I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe he wanted to test them. Maybe he wanted to see how they would react if they saw him passing them by. I don't know. But it's early in the morning. He, he goes out. They think they're seeing a ghost, you know, but it's Jesus. And then Jesus says, you know, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It says, then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were completely astonished because they had not understood about the loaves. They had not understood how he multiplied the food to feed them. And then the word says something very interesting. He says, instead, their hearts were hardened. See, they didn't understand this miracle of the loaves and the fish and feeding the 5,000. And so he's walking on the water, and when he saves them, the, 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 the winds calm down, the boat ceases to rock and roll, he gets in the boat. And he says, instead of taking all of this in, it says, instead, their hearts were hardened. Maybe they were thinking, I, I can't believe what I just saw. And maybe they didn't want to believe it. I don't know. See, that wasn't in Matthew. Another detail that wasn't in Matthew? is Peter got out of the boat and walked towards Jesus. And then when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. That account is not in here in Mark. Uh, 
that seems to be seems to me to be a fairly important thing. And so why is it not in Mark, but it's in Matthew? I don't know. Okay. The next section says miraculous healings. And we went over this in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse uh, 34 through 36 in episode 184. And with that, that is the end of, um, of uh, chapter 6 of Mark. And we will pick up with chapter 7 tomorrow. And just remember, as always, Jesus is extending that invitation for you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And the word says that you will not be put to shame and that you, in fact, shall be saved. And so that is not something that should be taken lightly. That is not something that should be ignored, in my opinion. With that, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody take care. Stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow if the Lord doesn't come tonight. Bye-bye now.